This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Smythe in for Dave. It can be nearly impossible to choose the right book to read. Browsing rows of books and checking out the front cover or maybe reading that back page can only reveal so much. People often turn to online reviews to help make their decision easier. However, those reviews may not paint a full picture either. Rebecca Dingwell is here to discuss all things literature, and she is a freelance journalist based in Halifax. Hello, Rebecca. How are you doing today? Hi, Alex. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm not too bad. So, Rebecca, as part of the conversation leading up to the story, you mentioned that you volunteer on the book tracker site StoryGraph. What is the goal of that site? So, I guess I could I could answer this question with so many layers, but... At its core, it's a site where, first of all, you can just track what you're reading. And second of all, it will help generate recommendations for you based on a few factors like mood, pacing, length, genre, that sort of thing. So it not only helps you track and provide stats for you, it also um, helps you find your, your next read if that's something that you're looking for. And so why did you want to get involved with this site? Partially, I think when I was doing my uh, MFA, I learned a little bit more about the behind the scenes of publishing, the nature of literature reviews, that kind of thing. And I just wanted to get more involved with that side of things and see kind of how that worked behind the scenes. I was also kind of moving away from um, StoryGraph's main competitor, which is Goodreads. Um, that's owned by Amazon. I wasn't sure that I wanted to be on that site anymore. So I thought that if I was going to move over, maybe I'd, I'd sign up to volunteer too. And, and so like, what what is the value of having a, a site like that, a book tracker site that can offer up some recommendations and things like that based on what your reading habits are, opposed to just looking at online reviews? I think one thing about the story graph is uh, I think you can find things in a way that's a bit more nuanced. One thing that I've seen just from people who use the site, uh, feedback that the site has gotten is they really appreciate the aspect of the content warnings. So say, for example, I don't want to uh, read a book that uh, has to do with sexual assault or sexual violence at all. Um, I can actually go into my preferences and say, never recommend me a book where this content warning is present. So, and then that's something that I, I don't have to worry about. Or if a book does come up for me, there's a little yellow exclamation point just to say, hey, uh, this book has been flagged as uh, containing something that you've previously said you didn't want to read about. And I can say, well, I can look at the book and say, well, uh, this is interesting enough to me that maybe I want to read it anyway, or I can pass it over for 
for that reason. So I think it just provides a little bit more information and um, a little bit more insight than some of the um, existing options do. Well, and the other thing, too, as well, if it, it, if it does flag, you know, oh, there, this is in the book, that's something that you may not be able to find on a, a simple review or on a, a description of the book because it could be just part of a plot point, not the entire plot itself. So it could be something that you only discover uh, that halfway through the reading. So it, it's great that it kind of marks it ahead of time, especially if you can set those preferences for yourself. You mentioned that you wanted to find an alternative to Goodreads, which is uh, owned by Amazon. Why did you seek out uh, an alternative and why have others uh, uh, kind of sought to find alternatives to Goodreads as well? I think a big part of it is just that, that connection to Amazon. I think even for those of us who might use Amazon once in a while, um, I, I think trying to slowly move away from the sort of big company, and, and I, I know that a lot of other readers also have issues with the way Amazon markets books, for example. So I, I think that a lot of folks, I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself, but just from talking to people, a lot of folks have mixed feelings about um, Amazon, its approach to producing books, its approach to promoting books. So I think to look and say, oh, hey, this is a site that is doing something potentially better um, than Goodreads is and is also independently owned. And I think partially for that reason, really values user feedback in a way that perhaps um, a site owned by a large company doesn't as much. Mm -hmm. I think that that is just really appealing to a lot of people. Well, and another factor to, uh, to consider whenever you're looking at trying to find recommendations online for, for especially something like literature. You mentioned, you know, there's a lot of nuance can be kind of stripped away. Like, talk a bit more about how the online kind of medium of review and ratings and things like that, how that really may not be best suited for reviewing books and, and literature specifically. Yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to demonize the quote unquote book talkers because I think there is a place for that and I think it has its use. That being said, I personally find a lot of the book content on TikTok just because of the nature um, of the platform. Like, okay, I want to make a review that's really punchy and maybe something sums things up in just a few words. Like, okay, this book is a romantic comedy, but it's uh, has similar tones and themes to Dracula, and it's like uh, enemies to lovers, and that's what you get. And I'm like, okay, so I maybe have some idea of the themes and the tropes, but do I really have enough information to know if that book's going to be for me? Um, I know nothing about the writing style. I know nothing about the author. Um Really, you haven't specified any any themes. You've just told me Dracula. So um, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but not a huge exaggeration in uh, some of the ways that uh, people will review books online. Because part of it, too, I think, is when you're uh, an influencer, you're trying to get clicks as well. So it's not just about providing the review. It's about uh, sparking discussion. And if somebody thinks the book sounds really interesting or really strange based on your, then that's going to, you know, 
build up your comment section and things like that. So it's just, I think some of it just has to be taken with a grain of salt because the, the short form uh, social media is so popular right now. Do you feel that there is uh, a way that you can provide that nuance, that, that comprehensive um, kind of review of such a, a long form uh, of medium like literature, like a full book, like can you effectively condense 300 plus pages into a short form uh, kind of digestible review? Or is it just a, a conflict and clash of two different styles of media? I don't want to say it's impossible. I just think it's very difficult. Even speaking as someone who has written book reviews that are say like a hundred words long, it's really, really hard to uh, page a picture for somebody in a short time or, or such a small space. Um, all you can really do is try. I think what we just kind of need to do better as readers and as reviewers is maybe kind of look a little bit deeper in ourselves. Like, okay, what did this book make me feel? What did this book make me think about? Um, rather than always relying on sort of the I don't know, the, the tropification of it all or comparing it to um, existing books. And I'm not saying that those things are inherently bad or that they can't be helpful in a review. Um, I just think that we need to do a little bit more just to, to do justice to, to the books that we like and the books that we're recommending. Now, review bombing is a very real thing in like film and television where, you know, you get uh, uh, slews of people who are, are leaving uh, like super negative comments, maybe like one star reviews on content that may not even be available or that they have even consumed. And that can have a real impact on what the mass public may may end up seeing. And if they see a bunch of one star reviews, maybe they end up avoiding it. Does this kind of concept manifest itself when it comes to the online literature uh, reviews uh, side of things as well? Big time. This is actually a huge issue. I think, in fact, the New York Times did an article on this, mostly in relation to Goodreads uh, last year, I think. Um, it, it's becoming a huge issue and an issue that I think the book world is struggling with how to deal with. Um, I remember... Uh, some time ago, for example, there was an author who was uh, tweeting, complaining about uh, four-star reviews that she was getting, in fact, um, and saying, well, why aren't these people just rating it five stars? So, of course, people read that and thought, mm -hmm. oh, uh, you know, what a what a whiny writer, what an entitled person. And then they went and completely review bombed her. And, you know, you might look at something like that and say, well, you know, mess around and find out. Uh, she deserved it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but those people were making those reviews related to, like, kind of how they felt about her personally rather than how they felt about the book. And what are the issues around that? What are the ethics around that? How do we... How do we almost like separate the person from from the book in that way? Mm -hmm. um, and and I don't know. It's it's a really hard conversation to have, um, especially when it's people who, in some cases, have done real harm, um, and maybe an author is a bad person or a malicious person has harmed other authors. That's happened as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, review review bombing happens, and it's just it's 
it's something that I don't know the solution to. I don't think anybody does right now, but it certainly is an issue and it is a topic of conversation that comes up a lot. Well, and, and uh, your your conversation and your topic re- inspired our daily poll question for the day. So I want to end the conversation on this by asking you the daily poll, which is how much do online reviews impact your opinion to or decision to consume media? A lot, a little, or not at all, Rebecca? I would say a little with a caveat that it kind of depends on who's reviewing it. If it's somebody who, if it's somebody who I know has a similar taste to me, then um, that might give them a little bit more weight. If it's somebody um, I don't know, then I might just be like, well, well, I might just take it with a, with a grain of salt. Um, short answer is it depends, but for the sake of the poll, I'll say a little. Okay, perfect. Rebecca, thank you so much for chatting all things books with me today. Have yourself a wonderful day. You too. That was Rebecca Dingwell. She is a freelance journalist based in Halifax. Coming up after the break, we assembled the round table and Elizabeth Moeller asked you all, well, asked me and Brock Richardson all about smart mirrors. We'll find out more. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.